You're listening to Michael Easley in Context. And now your host, Michael Easley. Well, welcome to In Context. You know, we might compare this presidential election cycle to the World Wrestling Federation, WWF. On second thought, that might be insulting to WWF fans. You know, I need to remember at least six things, and maybe these will help you too. Number one, America, this grand or great experiment, is very young. We're 240 years old. Think about that. We escaped England's monarchy, and America's founding fathers built this three-branch government, executive, legislative, and judicial, because they were trying to balance power away from the monarchy. You know, we as Americans don't have the best memory of our own history. We forget the foundation stones on which our freedoms are built. About 100 years after the beginning of our country, in the middle of the Civil War, Lincoln's famous Gettysburg Address had a phrase in it that many of us know. Now, this is November 19, 1863. And he said, This nation, under God, shall have a new birth of freedom, and that government of the people, by the people, and for the people shall not perish from the earth. That was the whole idea. This fledgling young country was by the people, for the people, of the people, and yet we've strayed a long way from that. Israel, on the other hand, is God's chosen people. Israel is God's chosen nation. Think of the 400 years of Egyptian slavery, 70 years of Babylonian captivity. How many times the temple complex and the walls of Jerusalem were destroyed and rebuilt? Under this entire process, God's people are scattered and pulled back. They're dispersed, and then they're called back again to Israel, to Zion. Countless nations continue to fight over Israel's land. 1948, they become a state. And since then, they live in a constant defensive posture toward neighbors who would love nothing more than to control that land. And remember this, it's the size of the state of Connecticut. Well, number one, we're very young. It would do us well to remember our history, to balance our fears and worries over against God's chosen nation who've suffered so much for so many generations. Number two, elections have consequences, and Christ is not threatened. Jesus isn't pacing heaven's floor worried about the outcome of this election. It's striking at the ascension. When Christ goes to heaven, the disciples are all staring up at the sky, and two angels appear and say to them, recorded in Acts chapter 1 by Dr. Luke, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into the sky? This Jesus, who's been taken up from you into heaven, will come in just the same way as you watched him go into heaven. <laughs> Think about that. They're all staring in the sky and mouths hanging open. And these angelic beings say, hey, wait a minute. This Jesus, who left will come just the way he departed. Not long after that, Peter, the apostle who ran away, is now empowered and encouraged, and he gives a message that blows people's mind. Also recorded by Luke in Acts chapter 2, this Jesus God raised up again, to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured forth this, which you both see and hear. A little later in that same message, he says, Therefore, let all of the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, 
this Jesus whom you crucified. So I need to be reminded that this Jesus is not threatened by the world. The death of this Jesus turned hearts and heads. These were men and women culpable of his crucifixion. But that death didn't destroy him. It rather demonstrated to hundreds of eyewitnesses his power over death. This Jesus, the fully God-man, lived forever and lives forevermore. He's the one and only person who can help our sinful condition. A third thing I need to be reminded of is my citizenship in heaven outweighs the temporary visa on earth. You know, I love America, and I hope you do as well. But you might be angry at America. You might hate America. It's helpful to think about truly oppressive countries that kill their citizens for usurping their authority. Sure, we live in a flawed and fractured country, but no country on the planet affords such freedoms to its citizens. If not, then why do all these refugees want to come to America? Why would they risk their life in an open sea voyage on a makeshift raft or be stuffed into a cargo hold with the hope of landing in a free country? We're flawed, but we're largely free. I've said it for decades that this world is not our home. This life at best is a clean bus station. But we work so hard trying to make earth heaven. It can never be heaven. It will fall eternally short. Again, Peter wrote, You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. God called us to be his people. The King James said, A peculiar people. <laughs> we're otherworldly. We're unique. We're different. And that reminds me I need a different worldview than the way the world views itself. I need an eternal perspective. I need an eternal perspective. You and I have a temporary visa on this planet, but we're citizens of heaven. A fourth thing that helps me is to remember to be kind, loving, and reasonable toward one another. For me, the most difficult part of this election cycle was the hatred, the vitriol, the over-the-top language spewed out by so many people. You know, social media has become a knee-jerk outlet for too many of us. I'm reminded of James' admonition, be slow to speak. Maybe we should paraphrase it, be slow to tweet. Always it's beneficial to read what the New Testament says about treating one another. Just listen to a few of these. Paul writing to the Thessalonians, encourage one another, build up one another. Further, he says, seek after that which is good for one another. Peter wrote, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Be hospitable to one another, serving one another. On and on they go in your New Testament. The idea is the believer is to be kind, encouraging, helpful to one another, not tearing each other down, not like the world, not snipping, not sarcastic, not vitriolic but a good reminder for me to be kind, loving, and reasonable toward one another. Five, and obvious you might say, pray for those in authority. As Paul the Apostle wrote the young Timothy in 1 Timothy 2, first of all, so that's a priority, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men for kings and all who are in authority so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. 
You know, at the end of the day, we can spew and argue and fret and fight. We can withdraw. But none of those have a place for those of us who are called Christian. You know, I don't understand all I know about prayer, but this passage tells me that I'm to pray for those in authority with the outcome that you and I can lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. That's a good admonition and a good reminder. And finally, sixth, God is yet sovereign. He's not pacing heaven floor. He's not wringing his hands. He's not worried about the outcome of the election. The psalmist penned in chapter 118 of the Psalter, it is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. We serve a God, the fully God, fully man, who lives forever. He cares about you. He loves you and me. He knows what's best for us. And even in a fallen, broken political system, even in a fallen, flawed country, you and I have a place to serve him, to love one another well, to be kind, to be encouraging, to put our hope in a future, not merely the present on this election day. God is yet sovereign, and you and I can live in this world in the way he intended. This is Michael Easley in Context. In Context is made possible by donations from listeners like you. If you're a regular listener, would you consider giving a one-time or monthly donation at michaelincontext.com? Thank you.